High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, Slumbers. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic, that was hard, high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, well, and under-the-weather Brian Rodriguez. You could probably tell from my voice. Ugh, who likes being sick, right? Anyway, I thought about sending in a substitute teacher, but I'm not going to play that card yet, you know? You guys need me. It's your freshman year. I'm not going to miss a slumber party, I said that. So you know what? The slumber party is still at my house. And it's later tonight, after we go over your homework assignment. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet for you today, because it kind of hurts to talk. You know, I actually have recorded footage from when I woke up this morning. I just happened to wake up with my mic on. I'm going to play it for you, just so you know I'm not faking it. You're not dying, you just can't think of anything good to do. When Cameron was in Egypt's land Let my Cameron go Yeah, if I do end up dying, I think I'm going to donate my eyes to Stevie Wonder. Hashtag save Brian. Anyway, your homework was to watch McFarlane USA. And I have to be honest with you. Both my guest, Mike Rivera, and I had some reservations when it came to this film. We watched it separately, and we kind of thought the same thing, that it was a little bit cheesy, and, you know, it just, it just really wasn't our scene, not what we were used to. But once we started talking about it, you know, we started liking it more and more. <coughs> Saved by the bell. Kind of feel like Mario Lopez, even though I know him more like Screech. Anyway, I won't keep you any longer. Without further ado, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, don't tell her I'm sick because she probably won't let you sleep over Brian's, but the party's still at my place. I leave you with the, I guess the main track from this film, McFarlane USA, the artist is Juanes, and the track is Juntos. Class dismissed. Aterrizando en un sueño, voy navegándome la vida Hoy me regalo este nuevo día, sí, sí, la luna siempre me guía No siempre entiendo el presente, pero le busco la salida Mejor estar herido que ausente, mejor soñar que echarse a la suerte Mejor la vida cuando se siente, si me mira 
listeners a little behind the scenes things because there's something I really have to say. Well, first of all, congratulations on your child birth. Well, not you, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> I mean, I'm congratulations. Just glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, congratulations on your new baby. Thank you a- very much. Anyway, I mentioned that because just a little behind the scenes thing. We're recording a couple episodes together because you are on your paternity leave, and I know that's a very, very busy time, so I appreciate you taking the time out to do some episodes with me. But I have to say, in the weirdest coincidence, maybe ever, so of all films like To Pick To Do, both of them have the uh, guy in George Lopez show. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I won't reveal He's the everywhere. other movie. Yeah, I don't. I won't reveal the other movie yet that we did. Just you know, I don't want to reveal all the secrets because we'll be mm-hmm. airing that one later. And I commented on that one, like, "Is that that guy?" And then yeah. I'm watching this, and I'm like, "What the hell?" <laughs> and you know, we'll mention him by name later. But I'm like, "What? A, what a weird ass coincidence!" It's like the most random actor to be in both things, and most random, I guess, of me to recognize him from both things. But whatever. Would it, su- would it surprise you that much that? Las Arañas Negras out there. <laughs> That's your one very obscure clue, guys, to what other movie Michael guest star on. And that's a very, very, very <laughs> obscure clue. But I love it. I love little Easter eggs like that. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you coming on. This is going to be an interesting episode, I think, because we have a lot of, a, we have a lot of shared history when it comes to the subject matter of this film. Uh, but before we get into it, Mike, you know how to introduce yourself on this show. Please introduce yourself to our audience. I sure should by now. Let's see. Michael Rivera, class of 2005, uh, of Northern Valley Regional High School, Ultapan, mascot, the Golden Knight. Yes. And I guess Gold, it was Golden, Golden Knights. Knights yeah, we were the Golden Knights. Plural, we weren't. But the Golden Knight with, would be yeah, like the <laughs> Long Knight in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like it would be like something mysterious that we're not sure about, you know? <laughs> was that out back then? It must have no. just been. No. No. Yeah, you're right. No, not even close. It, it's been out for seven years. So. Yeah. I wish we close. were that young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was then, even out in college, was it? Maybe no. like our senior year. No, it wasn't, because it must have come out like 2010. So it was right after, yeah, wow. Anyway, this is not a Game of Thrones podcast, I know you wish. We're really dating ourselves now. (laughs) That'll be your next podcast, Brian. Dating ourselves, where we date Uh, ourselves? No, that's kind of weird, not just the Game (laughs) of Thrones one. You know I'm all on board for that. It'll be a Game of Thrones rewatch because we gotta wait for it to end and there are too many Game of Thrones podcasts, but they're all great. I love them. You know my favorite oysters, clams and cockles. Ah, the best. <laughs> anyway, thanks for introducing yourself. And Golden Knights, that's important today because that was the name of our cross country team that we shared with each other. Yep. We were both captains. You were much better than me. You were captain for um maybe a little bit longer than I was. I don't know. But we were both on the team. You're one of the stars of our 
of our wonderful somewhat championship level in the local area not state championship level uh cross-country team so wanted to have you on for this film i'm glad to be here i don't know if i would go to that extreme say it was that good but uh, you ran yeah, in no, college we I did. I continued you, you to run in college. I still run and Jack now. Jack Runner of the Month. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you're still a runner now. You were, a, you were a star in college of the NJAC conference. What is that, New Jersey Athletic Conference, I suppose? You're embarrassing me. I can't deny these accolades because they're <laughs> true, but uh, I remember you pointing this out to everyone we were friends with on Facebook at the time, and my mother got angry with me because I didn't tell her I got this award. So. <laughs> you won the Harrington Park 5K, right? I did. I did. <laughs> two years in a row. Two time. Two time. Like Booker <laughs> Two. <like> five time. <laughs> like your two time Harrington Park 5K champion. I did not complete a spin rooney at the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> That would have been cool. <laughs> so our film today is McFarlane, USA. It came out 2015. One of the only cross-country films I've ever seen or heard of. There are other running films, but specific cross-country films? I'm not so sure. And Mike, since you're the expert, why don't you tell people what exactly cross-country running is, for those of you who don't know. Okay, here we go. Remember, scoring's based on your individual places, right? You finish first, that's a one. Right? Second, that's a two, and so on. Team with the lowest combined score for their top five runners wins. So the lowest score wins? That's right. It's, it's like golf. <laughs> you think we play golf? We don't got a country club. We don't even got a Kmart. But that guy plays golf. <laughs> Hold on. My score don't count. Why am I even here? To make us look faster. Puzzle. All right, look, look. Just try and remember, lowest score wins. You get ahead of any one of their top five guys, that adds points to their total. Even you, Danny, got it? Doesn't matter. Let's go show them how it's done. Oof. Oh, man. I just have to say first, it is hard to make a good running movie. And that might be part of the reason why there's not many. Fair, uh, fair. But... Uh, Cross-country is a sport, believe it or not, <laughs> where each team is comprised of seven runners. The top five runners from each team are added together by their place for a cumulative score, and the lowest score compared to each team racing one another will win. Yeah, and just to be clear, like, cross-country is... Well, there are three running sports... Well... There are multiple running disciplines, but there are three running seasons, I guess, in high school. For fall, it's cross-country. For winter, it's winter track, but not every school is winter track. And for the spring, it's regular track. And obviously those things, surprise, surprise, are on the track. But cross-country, what makes cross-country interesting and kind of more applicable to real-life running mm -hmm. is that it's done either in parks or on the road. You know, you compete with the elements, you compete with a lot of geography... You're not going to find a hill on a track, you know? Yeah, that's part of what makes it exciting. Every course is different. I mean, we had some courses when we were running in high school that would literally go through the high school hallway. Oh, yeah. No, I, and I want to talk about these courses. We're going to get into it. But I, I, I don't want to forget about this. We're going to talk about cross-country here. And I want to make it clear to you football fans out there. Cross-country was not on the high school 
sports level as football. In fact, the football team would break shit of ours and make fun of us and trash mm-hmm. our lockers. We were not the cool sport. <laughs> Which is surprising in this movie because a football coach becomes the cross-country coach. Yeah, He was briefly an assistant coach and kicked off. But I really think that in this school, they were just looking for a winner in any sport. And that's not always the case in uh, you know most schools. In think- American high schools, football is king no matter what. We were a very good team, and the football team sucked while we were there. And nobody cares. Yeah, no one cares. Exactly. (laughs) They were still the cool guys in school. So you mentioned you still run. That's great. I would say expert level runner now. Uh, I'm not in the Olympics. It helps me stay (laughs) sane, I guess. Well, that's what I was going to say about distance running, though. That's so. It's a nice, peaceful sport. Now I don't run hardly. I only run when I have. I I run to catch the subway. Yeah, from the cops. You know, (laughs) disobeying the law. That's me. But distance running, there's, like, such a piece to it, especially, like, now. Like, you can't, like, train with headphones. Okay, you can train with headphones, but I'm saying, like, not in school. They didn't, like, allow that. Like, now you just play your music or play a podcast, like High School Slumber Party. Guys, if you're running right now and listening to High School Slumber Party, holler. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Is running life? Um. That's a little excessive, don't you think? <laughs> All right, so so the plus of running is that like it gets you in shape, especially distance running. You can do it anywhere pretty much, except like the moon or mm-hmm. where it's like super, super hot. The right. negative, I would say, and this is my only negative, and this is why I shit on running and distance running sometimes. There's like a cult around it, you know? Uh, like yes. some people take it way too seriously, and I yeah, guess you have to be dedicated to train. But it's almost like owning a Subaru. You ever met someone who owned a Subaru? They, <laughs> they only just brag buy. About it yeah, they the brag time. about it. They only buy Subarus for the rest of their life. They suddenly like shop at LL Bean and yeah. need to like camp when there were never camping people. They it's, just become Subaru people, and then running is like that. Yeah, it's a little terrifying. I mean, it, it's something I do and I really enjoy. I'm glad I've continued to do so. But it's definitely not something I'm bragging about to strangers. <laughs> and I guess that is what doesn't really let me fit in with this weird subculture. You're, I'm okay definitely, with. you're definitely the bad boy of the distance running crew. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So before, you know, we dive into McFarland, USA, I think on the last time you were on um, for The Outsiders, we brought up. Well, I brought up the first day of my cross-country experience when you mm. told me r- pretty much not to speak and ruin your, your coolness on the team. So we right. won't get into that again. Guys, it's in the archives. If you want to hear that story, listen to the last time Mike was on for The Outsiders. And by the way, if I didn't mention it on this episode yet, Mike does our bumper for the show. Like, you know, the whole High School Slump Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's Mike. So if you're a fan of the show, you hear his voice every week. Unless you skip that part. <laughs> but I do definitely have some other cross-country memories I want to I want to uh, talk about just really quickly. One, I loved how when we were on the team, like we would have the nicknames for runs. Like I miss the camaraderie of being on an athletic team. But I don't know if you remember the resi. That was a classic run we used to do. That was a standard. Yep. Standard, which was like uh, kind of around the reservoir in our. You hometown. even incorporated that into a poem you wrote. If I oh, recall correctly. Oh, 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 yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but we don't uh, need to we'll go We'll get into there. the ladies' part. 
we'll get into the ladies part of your running experience. <laughs> but uh, there was the Blue Moon, the Ruckman. Ooh, the dreaded Ruckman. <laughs> or the King's became, Highway. King's Highway, yeah, that yeah. was a good one. I liked, not liked, but I, I enjoyed, no, not even that, because I didn't. But I remember those like workouts in Alpine up that hill. Oh, yeah, that was tough. Tough on the just body, for sure. Two and a half miles, straight uphill. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else did I write down from our running days? I mean, we can get into the ladies. In high school and in college, when a girl liked you, Mike, she would think that the way to your heart was running. <laughs> so she would often ask you, like, hey, you want to go on a go run? For a run? <laughs> I'm like, look, I just did this for an hour, an hour and a half. This is the last thing in the world that I want to be doing right now. <laughs> just because you do that doesn't, like, that shouldn't define you. But for a lot of runners, it does. So I get, I get well, that. Well, that, that feeds into that whole weird subculture where, like you said, running is life. <laughs> I just picture, I don't know if you've seen it, like, I know you've been to Myrtle Beach and I know you've been to those places, but you ever see that Life is Good brand? Yes. Yeah. Like I always picture like the life is good running guy, and it's just like running his life. <laughs> like that's what I picture. <laughs> it's one of those lame stickers that go on the back of the windshield. Yeah. Yeah. They're like stickers too, and shirts. Yep. I have I have a dog one, so I'm not going to diss life. <laughs> you know, but I'm saying like that's what I think of when running is life. But yep. you were really popular. The girls' team hated me hated me and i don't blame no, them. I would... they thought you were funny in later years okay yeah. that, to be fair once i was a senior like you couldn't really hate a senior you know so i mm-hmm. and and my girlfriend at the time was on the team so i got along better then but at the beginning i think the girls team hated me there was one or two and i don't want to mention people by name there was one or two who really liked me who yes. were were awesome you know yes. and i still think we're awesome people but <laughs> a lot of them didn't like me, but you were loved by the girls' team. You were loved by a lot of runners because we used to go to meets with a lot of other schools, and you know some of the running girls would get crushes on you. For some reason, it never worked out. I don't know why. You have to admit Says that. something about my personality. <laughs> Once they realized you weren't or lack all thereof. About running, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, they weren't interested had, anymore. <laughs> I think you had too much personality. I think they wanted like a running guy, and once. They realized you were the bad boy of the running crew. They were uh-huh. like, oh, this guy has other interests. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were no longer interested. But one yeah, of my no, favorite no. stories is, this is going to be the nerdiest thing we probably oh. ever say. Is this summer camp? <laughs> when we went to running oh, camp together. man. <laughs> it still hurts? It still hurts? I'm, I mean, I'm over it. It's just... I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I, saw, I saw where this was going. <laughs> Okay, so um, in the previous summer of running camp, which was it was called Five Star Running Camp, a, a lot of local towns go. We met a lot of great people there. Shout out it Ryan Madrid. What, what? It is a lot of fun. I excelled in everything in that camp except running. <laughs> like I loved like being on teams for trivia and for the other sports and the camaraderie and like we had a know. softball league. Yeah, I, yeah, it was I like constant I was activities all, all day. It. it was it was fun. They kept us very entertained. The counselors were awesome. The Portuguese guy was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Portuguese. I don't, oh, Danny Dos Santos. I'm gonna shout out him. Whatever, Danny Dos Santos. If you're out there, you're awesome. And was Mark Carberry was the other guy? Yes, he was cool as hell. Mm-hmm. I liked that guy. Anyway. <laughs> 
Who knows? It's funny because like those people seem older to us, but they're really not that much older than us. No, I wonder what they're doing now. <laughs> I do too. Mark Carberry and Danny Dos Santos. If you're out there and you happen to listen to my podcast, <laughs> give me a shout out. Anyway, I bring this up. I'm not going to go through summer camp all summer camp memories because there were so many fun memories. Just one specifically embarrassing <laughs> one. Side note. Some of you guys have suggested this. I might take one summer and do all summer camp movies. So that might be ah. I'm not sure yet. Brian, I think to prep for that, you should go back to Five Star and become a counselor. I don't think it's still there. I think the guy who started it is dead. Oh. That's what I heard. Oh. <laughs> but you know who we shared with Anthony Mason basketball camp, and they were so much cooler than us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so one summer you were there. You kind of got together with one of the other girls from another uh, town, right? That's correct. Well, maybe you should tell it better of that previous summer, because I don't think I was there. I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> I wasn't there for that one. Uh, whatever, you got together with one of these girls, and you were kind of like camp boyfriend and girlfriend. This happens at summer camp, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the camp, you ended up making out with a different girl, another runner who had had a crush on you from another town. Is that correct? That is accurate. <sighs> and, okay, I, I want to say this. Mike, you're a really, really great guy, and I sincerely believe that. And I want to tell this story without making you sound like a jackass. And I'm trying my best to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the girl who was like your camp girlfriend, we'll say was a little bit nerdy. She hadn't come into her own yet. We'll put it that way. Is, is that fair to say? Fair. And you made out with... At the time, in your dumb boy high school brain, you made out with the girl who was, by most people, considered hotter. You know, that's a nice way to put it, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay, that girl was a little bit heartbroken, a little bit upset. Mm -hmm. Next year, you return to camp. What happens? Suddenly, the girl who you blew off, I don't know what happened to the girl you made out with, but that didn't didn't come back. (laughs) but the girl you blew off came back to camp and she was a very attractive lady for kids of that time you know it was honestly similar to one of those cheesy high school movies where they take (laughs) the nerd girl and she turns into some beautiful princess yes pretty much it was like a she's all that thing but even more better, I guess, because she's all that. She just takes off the glasses, and she was, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Rachel Lee Cook was always hot, you know, so that wasn't, like, an issue. Yeah. But this girl came back, and she was turning heads. We'll put it that way. You tried to make a move on her, very brave of you, and she completely blew you off. She had I to remember- brush her teeth. Yes. <laughs> you were talking to her, kind of asking her out, kind of, you know, macking it, if you will, and she ran away, citing she had to brush her teeth. Mm-hmm. Whatever, like she wasn't into you, fine, and you weren't even that butt hurt by it. You kind of understood it at that point. Yeah, I get it. I deserved it. I was a jackass. <laughs> but you became the laughing stock of this entire camp. Hundreds of people knew your name because of this story. They used to do like morning announcements, and mm-hmm. the counselors would kind of like say what was up in the camp, uh, kind of the gossip and stuff. And oh my god. I remember your face. The camp counselor was like, In other news, Mike Rivera seems to have feelings for the girl's name. We'll call her Stacy. Her name was not Stacy, but that is just going to be the name for this podcast, okay? (laughs) 
Mike Rivera has feelings for Stacy. But apparently she doesn't like him back. Oh, yeah, yeah. But apparently <laughs> she isn't like him back. I know it's like really childish and now not that funny, but if you were there, the whole camp was like, oh, snap. Yeah, it you know? was bad. Everyone's I looking to at you. Disappear. And... <laughs> it was up there in one of the most humiliating experiences of my life. But it didn't end there. The nope. entire week it gets of worse. camp but was wait. just. All, There's more like, mocking you. So at the end of end of camp, I'll just skip ahead. At the end of camp, every team or whatever, not team, we were like split up into groups, and every group had to make a different skit. And Mike, every single skit had a character named Mike Rivera who was like a mm. mopey loser who got rejected by girls. Second worst <laughs> pickup line there is. Yeah, somebody did like a whose line is it anyway thing, and they were like, what are the worst pickup lines? And then people were, like, riffing them off, and someone goes, Hi, I'm Mike Rivera. And that was voted the second worst pickup line you could give a woman. <laughs> oh, the torture. I'm the not going to argue that. I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, you do have a child now, so you've done something right. But <laughs> one, and I'm not trying to diss you, but in the past, that pickup line has proven to be very ineffective. Look, Brian, sometimes you got to do something wrong to get something right. <laughs> well said <laughs> no 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 anyway anyway that's my little dose of puerto rican logic on you <laughs> <laughs> i feel like in your later years the pickup line might have worked well you didn't really lead with on mike rivera you just kind of no to be honest the name is one of the later things you drop into the conversation you don't yeah. you don't bring that up right away yeah no you just talk and you <laughs> I think I think you were able to hone your skills later in life, but you lived a long time not being the lady killer that people thought you were. Is that it fair? It took to say? decades of experience <laughs> and failure. Speaking <laughs> of, failure, of failure, my favorite moment, my favorite rejection or mockery moment of this camp experience towards you was we yeah. were all leaving the departure. Yeah, <laughs> we're all leaving our camp, and this is like your stereotypical camp. You know, Everybody cabins. was having a great time yeah, in the except circle. me. I was having a blast. I had such yeah. a fun time, except for the running part and maybe huh. the food. And you're walking out. You have your bags. You're like, let's just go. You were like driving a bunch of us because uh, you had your car at that point, your Astro van. Yep, yeah, the mystery machine. <laughs> you, were like, let's just, you were like, let's just fucking get out of here. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. I'm saying bye to people. And you're just like walking out with the most pissed off face, all your, all your bags. You know, typical scene. And then one of the girls' cabins, all the girls exited on the front porch. <laughs> and they said, Mike Rivera in unison. Better luck next year. <laughs> and like blue kisses and stuff. In hindsight, though, like, there would be no next year. The only next year would be if I came back as a counselor, and that would just be even creepier. Yeah, fair. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> they didn't know. It's a funny I story. Know, I know. Semantics it is a funny story. <laughs> and... <sighs> and you were very, very angry. And, like, this girl kept, like, haunting you for a little bit. I think we would see her at meets from time to time yes. uh, that senior year. But my favorite thing was, I don't know if this story is legit, but, like, we had a friend. I'm not going to say his name. And you and another friend of ours were supposed to meet him at the beach. You blew him off and went to a different beach. And that girl ended up being at the beach of the friend <laughs> you blew off. Yes. <laughs> this is Karma. True. It's fair to say that your life is filled with a lot of karma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, good times. We'll we'll dot in a little bit of running stories here and there right. as we go. Through. How about we talk about McFarland, huh? <laughs> McFarland, USA. You've been dressed down. Now put on those little running short shorts. We're gonna get into this film. And if uh, you guys aren't too familiar with McFarland, USA, I'm gonna read the back of the DVD cover like I always do. So here goes. In the tradition of Disney sports movies comes McFarland, USA, based on the inspiring true story of underdogs triumphing over tremendous obstacles. Wow, that's so general. (laughs) (laughs) This heartwarming drama follows novice runners who strive to build a cross-country team under coach Jim White in their predominantly Latino high school. Everyone has a lot to learn about each other, but when the coach realizes the boy's exceptional running ability, things change. Beyond their talent, it's the power of family, the commitment to teach each other, and work ethic that transforms this team into champions. We often say this a lot. The person who, who writes these probably never saw the film, and this <laughs> thing is filled with such, like, I don't know. There's not much. You could see the poster and write that, is my point. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's written like a generic sports movie overcoming obstacles and just very broad very broad i mean it's kind of a broad film but still (laughs) now this got 80 percent by the critics on rotten tomatoes and 88 percent by the audience so this was a very enjoyed movie mike i'm just letting Mm -hmm. you know and I, i have to say i am a sucker for these disney sports films They're good. They have this formula that really works. (laughs) I I wrote down ones that I remembered. Miracle. Remember the Titans? Cool Runnings. Feel the rhythm. Feel the run. Get on up. It's bobsled time. Cool Runnings. Yeah. The Rookie. Million Dollar Arm. And they kind of just have, like, like you said, this formula. And, you know, it's hit or miss. Some of them aren't as great. And I think we have different feelings on this film, but we'll talk about it, and maybe we'll come to some consensus by the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But before that, I want to get into the cast and crew. This is largely a cast of unknowns. The director, though, is Nikki Caro. One, we hardly ever see women directors, so I always like to give a shout-out. She's actually a really great director. She directed a film called The Whale Rider, or Whale Rider. It's a New Zealand film. It was, like, Oscar-nominated. The actress, Keisha... Night something? Wow. I didn't write her name down, but you'll recognize her, Mike, as she's the oldest Sand Snake. Oh. Yeah, like, she. this director got her start with that girl when she was, like, young, and she was nominated for the Academy Award at, like, 10. Um, awesome. But she's actually directing now, what Disney movie? Mulan. Disney tapped her to direct the live-action Mulan. So we'll see okay. how that goes. Uh, but she directed this film, which I thought was interesting because I wasn't aware of that. But here's the cast. Kevin Costner plays Jim White. In, like, this is a very, like, Costner-like role. I think he does a good job. He could have been a lot worse. Now, his name's Jim White, which is funny, because obviously he's, like, the white guy. Right. The biggest criticism that that people have of this film is it's another one of those white savior films. I don't know if you've heard that term, but it's kind of an obvious one. I have not, but But, I get get what it means. Like, I, I think of, like, Dances with Wolves. We're like, oh, with Kevin Costner again. <laughs> he, he, he's like an Indian. He's not an Indian, but like he's a white man who teaches the Indians things. Yeah, so he was really made for this role. <laughs> he, he had the credentials. Uh, Dangerous Minds, Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Glory Road is like another sports movie where like the coach is white and it's like a black basketball team. Lawrence of Arabia is the classic example. 
Like, he's a white dude in Arabia, and yet he's the star. I think of The Last Samurai, Tom Cruise, you know? Isn't that his real name? This was based on a true... Yes, and that's the kind of saving grace. This is based on a true story. It's not just a made-up story about, like, a white man saving people. Right. But there are plenty of stories, and these white savior stories tend to attract a lot of Hollywood attention, you know? Mm -hmm. We've seen them for as long as there's been movies. I'm not criticizing that, like, oh, fuck this film, it's racist. Because honestly, I do not think that this film is racist at all. I think it does actually a really good job with uh, race relations. I'm not Mexican. I am Latino, but I am not Mexican. I have never lived in California. I could be completely wrong. But from the outside glance, it doesn't seem like a lot of these other films are a little bit racist, you know? Right. One of my favorite TV shows of all time, though, is about a white basketball coach in a Chicago inner city, and it's called The White Shadow. So as much as I want to criticize this, I have been a fan of white savior things in the past. Not because mm -hmm. of that, but, you know, it's something that's existed, is my point. One thing that I say in this film that, like, helps escape that trope is that they really do show a lot of the Mexican and Mexican-American culture in California. In fact, it's like the main plot point of the film. Yes. I mean, you see Blanco, Jim White, integrating his entire family into this really beautiful community, and everyone is accepting of him and his family with open arms. If anything, he was resistant to it when he first got there. Yeah, and it wasn't like he was resistant to it because, like, this is weird. But it's funny no, now scared. that he's part of it. No, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, but, again, we're, we're going to do a deep dive. But just want to go over the other people in the cast because I like to give people uh, shout-outs, you know, because some of these actors, most of these actors are not in a lot of things, and I think they did a great job. Mm -hmm. um, Romero Rodriguez played Danny Diaz. Carlos Peralto played Thomas Valles. Or Valles, I guess. He pronounces it Valles, but then I think, obviously, it's pronounced Valles. And he's, like, more of our, our lead kid, you'd have to say, right? Yes. Johnny Ortiz plays Jose. Rafael Martinez plays David Diaz of the three Diaz brothers. Hector Duran plays Johnny Samanego. Sergio Alvalar plays Victor Puentes. Miguel Aguero plays Damasio Diaz. And, oh, we mentioned the principals played by Valente Rodriguez, who's the guy from George Lopez show. Mm -hmm. Who else? Oh, Maria Bello, who's his wife, Cheryl White. And the two sisters are played by Morgan Saylor, Julie. And the younger sister is played by Elsie Fisher. And if you guys listen to this podcast, or you're in the know about films this year, Elsie Fisher is currently or just was the star of that great film eighth grade which mike you gotta see eighth grade that was an Will awesome do. film definitely in my top 10 this year we covered it on high school slumber party she is amazing in that but just because you're a recent dad and by the way if you hear mike's beautiful baby girl crying in the background apologies don't be alarmed that's the miracle of life we love it on this, <laughs> this show but elsie fisher does so good in that film i'm telling you mike if you have to see a film in the next two days rent it on vod and watch eighth grade especially being a, like a recent father Coochie. so if you guys aren't too familiar with a lot of not just the actors but the character names i just said that's my other big criticism of this film you have a whole team, and it's such an ensemble that you can't really develop the characters of every guy. You have the Diaz brothers and Thomas, and really, 
And correct me if I'm wrong, really, those are the only of the kids that really get, like, storylines. Which makes it kind of weird at the end when, like, Jose is the one that drops out. Because I'm like, who's Jose? Like, I (laughs) I remembered his face, but, like I said, my one criticism, or one of my criticisms of the film, is that we didn't get enough time developing uh, the kids. But it's two hours long, so I guess they just wanted to focus on on the other characters, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, interesting you say that, because I thought they were going to play off that one... Is his name Victor, the badass on the team? The one who just, like, ditches practice to go do whatever? Victor Puentes. Yeah, you're right. I thought they would go into that more. Like, oh, he was so reluctant to actually be a part of this. But he kind of... The the team was formed pretty easily. All right, so this movie Disney-fies a lot of things. This is a true story, but it does change a lot of facts to make it a better uh, two-hour movie. And one of them is that in the film, Jim White starts this cross-country team, and he was, like, a badass. Like, he got, I don't want to say, like, a good thing, but, like, it kind of implies he, like, verbally abused kids on his other teams. He was a football coach, Mm -hmm. and he threw a cleat at somebody. Apparently, that's not true at all, that his first job was actually in this town. (laughs) So that's a little disappointing. And he didn't actually start the cross-country team, but it had been dormant for like a year or two, so he restarted the cross-country team. All right. Yeah, well, well, it's funny you say that, because he seems pretty even-keeled throughout the movie, so all these accusations that come at him saying, oh, you know, I heard you have a violence problem, or you're really aggressive towards the kids, you don't really see that played off as much. Like In the beginning of the movie, that one football player that quarterback at that white prep institute that he was coaching at yeah he, he was being a jerk i'm not saying he deserved a cleat in the face no no right nobody deserves that but ah it's just i feel like jim white got punished absolutely but the thing is like i could see myself wanting to do that i'm sure you could see yourself wanting to throw the cleat at that kid you know yeah it's just <laughs> It's, it's such a fine line you can't cross. And it, it, you, you get tested constantly. Absolutely. Okay, so he has to move to this town, McFarland, California, which is a real town. And it's in the Central Valley of California, which is just prime uh, fruit-picking area, you know? I know it from, like, knowing my history with, like, uh, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, that's where a lot of the, like, uh, movements, especially, like, important movements in American history, Mexican-American history happened, because Mm -hmm. there was no one, and maybe still, but, and you could see in this movie, which I liked in this movie, like, it really depicted that pretty well, there is no harder job, they say, than picking these uh, crops. Like, Uh, being a migrant, yeah, being a migrant worker sucks, and I know they're paid more now, but they're still not paid that much. And at the time, since they were migrant workers, a lot of them, and not like officially legal, a lot of them were paid next to nothing to pick right. fruit. Like cents on the day. Well, that's what they were saying. They got paid by the field. Yeah, like one guy would, would be the foreman and he would have to divvy it up at the end of the day, or at the end, of, sorry, at the end of the picking of the field, which is just incredible. And that, you know, I don't want to get political on this podcast, but when people say like, oh, they're taking jobs away. Yeah. Fine, you go take that job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a job that really, really nobody wants. Like, it almost breaks my heart. What a it tough is. job. It's, if you just, look, these kids had it tough. I mean, they're waking up at 4 or 5 in the morning. They're going straight to work. Not some cushy job where you're sitting down and just watching people pass. You're doing physical labor before the sun's even up. Then they're running however far to school, going through a full day of school, afterwards either going to practice or back to work and then doing it all over again every day of the week high school was hard for me could you imagine if you had to work before and after school in the fields you think you have it bad but you really don't (laughs) when you when you watch this this movie has a good sense of place and i know it should it's called mcfarland usa that's the name of the town but it really has a good sense of place where i think it missed and i get it because it's a pg Disney movie is that this town was supposed to be pretty crime ridden too. They imply that mm-hmm. a lot. They never really show that, you know. I never no. felt afraid. McFarland actually looked like an awesome place to live with it, like yeah. great with great everybody food. gets a live chicken when they move in. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think from what I understand and from me looking things up, especially at that time, it was kind of a rough place to live. Like they pass by in the car, they're moving there. They're family is like nervous about moving there but you look at it and it looks like a pretty like nice looking house in a nice yeah. Looking neighborhood yeah <laughs> and maybe it is but they kept implying like oh it's dangerous it's dangerous and it didn't really look dangerous but again it's a g movie or pg movie mm-hmm. i should say i did think the movie was going to take a real turn after the daughter's quinceanera oh my god yeah no we'll get into that i was like <gasps> but it ends up not being that big of a deal but... <laughs> no no <laughs> He joins this school, and the George Lopez's friend or brother, or whatever, <laughs> is the principal. And he kind Which is of really like, odd to see him in that role. Yeah, just, it is. His authority is. figure. <laughs> and he hires him to be like a teacher. We don't really see him teaching a lot, but obviously we see him coaching a lot. And basically, he's going to be hired as assistant football coach. And as you mentioned, he kind of gets fired because one of the kids who ends up being on his team. Which kid was that? I think that's Johnny. Oh, that ends up Johnny. getting the rest of the cross-country team oh, together. Oh, okay. That Not makes positive, sense but... <laughs> so Johnny is on the football team, and he gets, like, tackled so many times. He doesn't really have the body for the football team. So uh, the coach, like, keeps him out of a play, and then apparently that gets him, like, fired from the football team. Because he was saving this kid's life. Yeah, cause, essentially because he was saving this kid's life. Uh, the principal basically is like, yeah, you can't do that. But then he's like, I'm keeping you on because I can't fire people. It's a school that nobody wants to work at, you know? Nobody wants to go, teach, <laughs> learn, teach, anything there. I mean, it's right across from a prison. Yeah, which they don't really show. But, again, I think the movie could have done a better job of making the town seem scarier. Mm-hmm. Not just, like, a, a fun place with, with tacos all the time. Yeah. But whatever. So he sees that the kids are running to and from school. He sees that they're fast and says, hey, I'm going to start a cross-country team. He finds a loophole, essentially, that... Uh, the state will fund a cross-country team. So, boom, he starts one. Like you said, he gets Johnny, and I like that scene. He gets Johnny to, like, recruit everyone on the mm-hmm. team, and they're kind of like, why not? A little fact check here. So the Diaz brothers are three brothers who join the team together and are a very, very important part of the story and an important part of the team. That part was actually changed. Oh, my God, I missed this part that I really, really wanted to say. This movie literally starts on my birthday. Oh, wow. Not just my birthday, like, day. August 21st, 1987. I was like, what? (laughs) That's pretty wild. 
So this movie takes place in a span of one year. In reality, it took them like three years to build that team to the caliber that it is in this film. Okay, that's a little more realistic. I was wondering, I was like, he did a great job coaching this I team. I mean, that's still a fucking great job to win oh, California Oh, yeah, absolutely. State, I thought in one season? That's, yeah. that's amazing. That's tough, considering he was at another school at the beginning of that yeah. year, you know? <laughs> and then he's the fact that he's never coached cross-country before, ever. They won in 87, but I think he started in 85. Okay. So... Where I mentioned the Diaz brothers, actually one of the Diaz brothers, I think the older one, well, he was already graduated, you know, in 1987. He was already in college. So mm-hmm. there's only really two Diaz brothers on this cross-country team. One of the actual members of the cross-country team wasn't depicted in the film. And the, something I want to clarify, and I believe it was true, too, of this team, but there are not just seven people on the cross-country team. Our cross-country team has, like, 20 people. It's, it's the seven people who place, or five who place, but seven are like your varsity squad with two alternates usually. Right. The sixth and seventh man can displace other scoring top five members of other teams. Yeah, if, if your sixth and seven man or woman uh, runs in front of other people's top five people, they don't score, but whatever place that runner gets on the other team is their score, and it's a higher score, obviously. One thing I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention, too, about cross-country, it's the distance. Now, in college, I know it's different, but in high school, generally 5K, uh, 5 kilometers, which is 3.1 miles. Yes. And I love that distance because that's like your local town running distance, you know? (laughs) I wish they did college 5K. K's more often. Yeah, it's... I don't think I've ever... It's only in track, really. Do they have the 5K? But it's trans- not in cross country. It's translatable, you know. Yeah, it's like more realistic distance that you're gonna run in the real world, not in a real world job or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and cross country again, it's 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 a hard sport, like you said, to make a movie on. It's certainly not a TV sport, at least not like the way it's been depicted in the past. But I'll argue that now would be the best time to ever have cross country as a TV sport because of like drones and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Like, a drone could follow you. Before, it's like... Put it up on a Jumbotron. Track was more popular because it's in the same same stadium, Mm -hmm. you know? I tell you what, all the courses that they did run were beautiful. The courses in this film were beautiful. And that's what I love about cross-country, honestly. And, you know, even the landscape, because it's like the the fields where they pick and stuff, it's just, this is a beautiful landscape movie. When we were in cross-country in high school, I'm sure you ran some beautiful places in college, so I don't want to, you know, pretend that we ran as beautiful places in high school. That was one of the best parts, though, about being in the cross-country team, because you're, like, running in a park, you know? Yep, you're going to this new, exciting place that, I mean, some of them are repeats, but, you know, for the most part, a lot of them are different, and it's cool to see, especially when it was at each individual high school, what they were going to do. I think... Like, our junior year, a girl or a guy got hit by a car, and they changed the rules in our local area. So originally, when we first started, every school had their own home course. And it was almost like playing Mario Kart. Like, Mm -hmm. every course was different, and each course had, like, different, favored different people, you know? Because, like, there were people who were good at hills, there were people who were were more speed people, Mm -hmm. and... I used to think that was pretty cool. If you had never run there before, like for freshmen, you had to like learn the course right there. Uh, right. Like usually, the captain of like the home team would like run through the course with you, and that was the coolest part to me. And eventually, you know, after the 
the guy or girl, they didn't die, but after like they got hit by a car or whatever, they changed it to only like parks. So we had like Darlington Park near us, Garrett Mountain, Holmdale. And so those were great courses. Don't get me wrong. I loved those courses, but they would repeat themselves a lot. And that kind of sucked. Yeah. Either way, one of my favorite cross-country stories was from one of these courses, and it was the course in Pascock Valley, which is in Hillsdale, New Jersey. One of our teammates, and I'm going to say his name because I don't care, Garrett, his father was the longtime coach of Pascock Valley, and he designed the course at Pascock Valley, and Garrett mm-hmm. had joined the team. He didn't, he didn't run as a freshman, so I think he was a sophomore, right? I guess so, yeah. yeah. And I remember running the race, and that was, I don't know if you remember that course, Mike. That was an awesome course because you ran on the streets of the town, you ran on the high school, around the high school but they also had like in a the wood, woods a woods yeah. area that was like dug out like with like a backhoe so like mm-hmm. it was kind of like banked in the woods and it was awesome and the woods was like a little bit like a maze i was never that good i was never in the lead and when you're not in the lead you could always follow somebody you know <laughs> <laughs> so i never really paid attention to the course so much i remember running i think i was with our mutual friend bernard or our former friend i don't want to say he's our enemy now but we don't talk to bernard <laughs> these days bernard if you're out there let us know what you're up to shout out to bernard (laughs) shout out to bernard but i I remember i was running with bernard as i often did dow might have been with me too but i'm not sure and we see garrett literally running at us (laughs) and if any of you have ever watched any competitive running sport or race a runner shouldn't be running in your direction (laughs) like (laughs) at you and we're like garrett what the hell are you doing he's like oh my god what's going on garrett got he was a good runner got lost on a course that his father designed and ended up having a really shitty uh, time that day. How ironic. Yep. But that was part of the fun of cross country, and that's why I liked cross country. Because track, let's be honest, it's usually the fastest runner wins. That's it. There's more thinking. There's more variables. Yes. There's more thinking in cross country, just like there's more thinking in a marathon or just Mm -hmm. a road race. And, And I think that's what attracts adults to distance running. Rather than sprints. Right. Like the thought process of it. It's also, you know, a a cool way to get in shape and everything. But just Mm -hmm. wanted to tell that carrot story. (laughs) Oh, man. So I want to skip ahead scenes. We're not going to go scene by scene because this is a movie just... Not too much happens. It's just the story of this cross-country team. One of my favorite beats, though, is um, how... They go to that first, uh, it's like an invitational against Palo Alto, which is like the rich school. And they lose because, womp, womp, there are hills on this course. And in McFarland, it's just like a really, really flat land. Obviously, they grow crops there. Um, It's really flat land. So he's got to like find hills. So he does the hill workout. And what does it end up being like? Almond holes? Yes. That everybody on the team probably ended up picking themselves. Okay, that's what I wanted to see. That's how we need to finish. Good job. Take a break. Alex! Alex, I said take a break. How many more do you want? 10, 20, 100? Take a break! You think you're tough, White? Well, we're tough, right? We're not runners, we're pickers. And we're always gonna be pickers. And every day we're gonna get up and do the same thing over and over again, just like this. So you can make us do it a hundred times, a thousand times, because guess what? Never gonna change, all right? You know what these are, White? Huh? You know what's under here? Almond holes. You eat almonds? Huh? 
You like them? They come out the packet real nice, right? Well, somebody picked those white. But you can use them for hill training, right? Yeah, uh, again, irony. I mean, I, I guess, you know, you're more of the runner than me. What did you think of the training and the running in this film? I mean, as far as a hill workout, I don't know if that's the greatest. I, I guess you got to work with what you got, so. Yeah, but in cross country, it's not like sustained. You know, like those, those yeah. almond hills weren't that tall. You're, you're running up that thing for maybe five seconds. I guess the running up and down helps. Yeah, it, it's good for maybe rolling hills in a course. Hey, it had to have worked. This team got good. Yeah, it must have. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the training scenes are always awkward because there's something just not it doesn't seem natural about them running when they're filming it you know what i think it is i was thinking the same thing and especially in the races the one drawback of distance running and you see this when you're watching a marathon on tv it looks really slow on camera yes it's obviously not slow but it looks really slow on camera so Mm -hmm. everything is either sped up or they're sprinting. You're normally like not going that fast. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make it exciting. I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's hard to make running exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why they invented the steeplechase. <laughs> but one of the more heartwarming scenes, I'll say, is... So the Diaz brothers, again, their father is a foreman, and they're one of the ones who work before they uh, go to school and work after school. Mm-hmm. They end up missing some uh, picking time. It's the Diaz family where they get taken out during PE to go work, right? Yeah. So they work before, during, and after school. Pretty much their father, if he needs a field to be picked, uses them to like make the quota up. Right. And the father ends up banning them from cross-country. I mean, I get it, right? Like mm-hmm. The family's got to make money. Right. Yeah, it's just a very small-minded way of thinking, but um, (laughs) it's the only way he knew how to support his family, so he had to do what he had to get done to put food on the table. Yeah, so in one of, I think, the better scenes of this film is, unless you disagree, Kevin Costner's character, Coach White, who they keep calling Blanco in the film, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) he's like, I'm going to go be a picker for a day, because he, oh, first, great food scene, hashtag foodie films. Kyle of Foodie Films, you're going to love this taco scene. He goes over to uh, the Diaz family house, and oh my god, that table made me so hungry. What a spread. Yeah, that's one thing about this movie that I thought was funny, because like originally when they get to the town, they're like, oh my god, a taco restaurant. They have no <laughs> idea like what tacos are. I'm yeah. like, you're in the greatest place in the world. This place has, what looks are you like complaining it has the most about? <laughs> banging tacos I've ever seen, you know? <laughs> so, uh... Anyway, he has this dinner. It's it's he's like fills himself up because he doesn't want to say no. It's wonderful. He becomes friends with kind of like the mom and the dad. Something I did like about this film is that he keeps assuming that the people in the town don't speak English, <laughs> and they all do. They're like, yeah. And I was gonna say like, this guy's a foreman. Of course he speaks English, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was that was but a pretty it, funny scene when he's asking the son if he could tell his father that he really appreciated the meal and whatnot, and he offered his help so then the son just reiterates it and repeats it in english (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm latino i'm dominican it frustrates me to no end when well i don't want to blame people for not assuming i 
can speak Spanish, which I'm not great at it, but my father looks a lot more Dominican than I do. And mm -hmm. if we'll go into a store, sometimes they'll start speaking to him in Spanish, you know? Sometimes they'll speak to him slowly because they just don't <laughs> assume that he doesn't know English, you know? And, right. and my father knows English, as does my mother. They're both Dominican. They're bilingual. Spanish was their first language, you know? But it's like such a shitty assumption. It, it, it is. It really is. It's, it's like arrogant almost and just really disrespectful. But the only rationalization that you can really come to is you have to use that to your advantage. And that's exactly what this father does. In yeah, situation. Good. that's a really good point. <laughs> he plays it cool, you know. <laughs> he kind of doesn't uh, like he doesn't really speak Spanish until he has to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at but, what Portuguese did to us in Five Star. One of our camp counselors pretended he only spoke Portuguese. Oh, yeah, And then yeah, we find out right. on the last day, he spoke English perfectly. Yeah, so he must have heard us Because he was just messing him. with us for fun. But we really weren't talking shit about him because he was awesome. No, no. <laughs> anyway, the scene, though, that I do love is when he actually says, okay, the coach puts his money where his mouth is, and he goes to pick with... Uh, the kids with the Diaz brothers, mm -hmm. and he just like can't hack it. It's it's not an easy job. I don't blame him. You know, he yeah, really kind of appreciates. Almost broke his back doing so. Absolutely. You know, it's in the heat. He was, I think, it was like lettuce or something. And I'm not too sure what that was, but he ends up he ends up coming to the um, I guess compromise. He's like, I get you have to do this. I could never do this. I really appreciate this. We're going to mm -hmm. practice after you get back from the picking fields. And I'm like, God, how tired must they have been? It's a long day. That's what I'm saying. You're working before <laughs> school. You go to school. You work after school. And then you go work out. It's a long day. <laughs> Absolutely. One of my favorite scenes, though, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of this scene, is the tamale sale slash car wash that they oh. do to raise money. Yeah, they play one of my favorite songs during that scene. Oh, what song is it? Flashlight by Parliament. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love I love funk. This movie had a pretty good soundtrack. Great soundtrack. A lot of Spanish music, but a lot of like good Spanish music. Um, Juanes. Are you familiar with Juanes? He's if like I a, heard it, I would... Oh, yeah. He's like a Colombian musician. Very popular. And he was asked to do the lead song which i think is played at the end for this film and i think it like he was nominated for some awards and stuff it was maybe maybe not but i know it was like the caliber of that i loved it great soundtrack one of definitely the bright spots here and flashlight played which, yes. <laughs> like you said but this is like an awesome it looked like an awesome car wash and those guys oh, yeah. care about their cars so at the beginning of the film there's like these he thinks they're gangbangers like in like low riders but it ends up right. they're just like guys in a car club who are pretty cool. No, Holmes. We just like our cars, man. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was cool. Would you get a lowrider? Um, only if I had my baby mama's face painted on the hood. <laughs> you love that. You love that. <laughs> Yo, D-Nice, would you let me paint your face on the hood of my lowrider? <laughs> yeah. She said yes? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so for the record, in your words, not mine, you would paint your baby mama on the front of your lowrider. Your words, Oh, not mine. yeah. That'd be dope. <laughs> and you have to kind of give her that Virgin Mary look, too, <laughs> with the flowers surrounding hey, her. I like that kind of art. I'm a big Frida Kahlo It's beautiful. Fan. Yeah. I have, I sort of collect some of the 
uh, religious candles that I, are found I, in bodegas. I guess you could call it Mexican <laughs> folk art, and I think it's awesome. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I would paint someone I knew on the hood of my car, but <laughs> but I certainly like I like the uh, painting. Um, hey, did you see how happy it made his girlfriend? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and even like uh, Maria Bello's character was like, seemed like she was. I don't think she really wanted it, but she was kind of like, "Oh, you're <laughs> yeah. not you're not gonna paint me on the hood." <laughs> on what? On the station wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing I thought here too that relates to like uh, like our running in high school. So before meets, we used to have pasta dinners, and pasta were always fun. Yeah, they were always fun times. And pasta's great and all. But man, I would love a taco dinner so much better. Oh, yeah. Serves the same purpose. Yeah. It's even better. I think tacos might, you know, and tamales and enchiladas might not be as easy on the stomach. <laughs> mm, yeah. But still, I would take it. And they're doing this right to earn money because they have shitty shoes. So it's earn shitty mm-hmm. shoes. They need better uniforms. And by the way, the new uniforms are sweet. They're like retro throw, throwbacks. Well, they're not throwbacks yeah. back then, but those are cool uniforms. Um, really cool artwork on them. Oh, what's oh, their mascot? The Cougars, but like, <laughs> whatever. No, but like the tracksuits are awesome. Like the red Adidas yeah, tracksuits. They're pretty dope. I remember you had already joined the team a little bit earlier than me. And me and Bernard and Dow ended up being a little later to the team. And these are a couple of our friends. And there was only large of the tracksuits left. And we were like small guys, the three of us, especially like cross country runners, freshmen. Mm-hmm. And our coach, shout out Paul Capuzzo. Our coach, like, he, how can I put it? He sold it to us. Like, <laughs> like oh, these are gangsters. These are really cool. These are cool, man. Yeah, I remember <laughs> thinking, yeah, you know, these are cool. Like, they're really big, but I feel like, I feel like gangster. I'm awesome, you know? <laughs> and it was totally because those were the only ones left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I enjoyed was were those throwback warm-ups that oh God. you must have found. I don't want to Once... like, call myself a cool person. I'm not. But I feel like I was a little ahead of its ahead of my time in terms of like throwbacks and stuff. I used to find old uniforms and old like things they were throwing out like and I wanted throwback uniforms, you know? And mm-hmm. I gave everyone throwback warm-ups. One of my biggest regrets was not wearing the throwback uniforms. They smelled Oh, they smell awful. And I I can't even tell you how many times I had to wash that to get out the stench. But we never dressed in them, like, because there was, like, these no. blue and yellow ones. We were blue and gold, but there was, like, these blue and yellow old school ones. And I really wish we wore them, like, for one meet. We, like... It was... They looked like garbage bags. Oh, no, those were the but, warm-ups, yeah. But there were also uniforms in there. There was a lot of... No, the, the warm-ups were, like, garbage bags. Literally just yeah. not breathable at all garbage bags. <laughs> it was one of those sweatsuits that people wear to lose weight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the great running scenes, and maybe you'll disagree, but, like, they, so they win a couple meets, they're doing well, they get to state qualifiers, and the scenery on state qualifiers... It's, yeah, again, I can't believe it. It just makes you want to go to California. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, it was so beautiful. And they end up winning in a close score. Something, correct me if I'm wrong, you've done more cross-country races than, than I. And this is before automatic timing and stuff like that. But there was a mm-hmm. lot more drama at the end of the race than I remember. Normally, this coach has a pretty good idea of what the score is going to be, you know? I think this state championship, what they were trying to, the message they were trying to, across was that it was very close 
So that's why they really played up on the drama and where people were coming in. Okay, but fair, most fair. of the time, most of the time, you can pretty much tell whether or not your team's going to win. Yeah. I mean, coaches sometimes even take score throughout the race. Yeah. If maybe not during too, a 5K because this was so short of a race. But if you note down the top five places that your top five are in, you'll be able to calculate your score and compare it to where the other, your greatest competition is falling, who was what? Palo Alto, those yeah. golf-playing bad guys? Well, they were at the States. I don't remember who they beat at the qualifiers, the race before. That mm-hmm. was the one where the guy fell. Right. Um, and they ended up like just barely qualifying. It, mm-hmm. it is a touching scene. After they qualify for States, instead of going home, he takes them to the beach, and they've never seen the beach before. Yeah. I kind of wish they set that up earlier. Like they said, oh, we've never seen the beach before. But, I mean, it's explained. Still, it was pretty cool. I mean, these kids have sacrificed so much. They've given their bodies, their hearts, everything they have. And they live in California, probably not too far, and have never been to the beach. Yeah, it's sad. Oh, something I want to correct, a fact thing too. He also coached the girls' cross-country team. So in every scene here, there should have been girls, and there weren't. So does that mean he took both the girls' and boys' cross-country teams to the beach? Yeah, and that that was one of the notes they said, that actually both of them went to the beach. But Mm -hmm. they thought that would, you know, change the film a little bit. Maybe a little unfair, but whatever. Yeah, that that was a really heartwarming moment of the movie. But besides that, there were some pretty dark moments in this movie. Absolutely. I mean, we forgot to talk about Thomas almost committing suicide oh, yeah. at the beginning of this. Oh, yeah. We forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, basically, he, you know, his father goes off different picking seasons, different parts of California. He comes home, and there's an altercation, right? Yes. The dad got angry with the mother, uh, started punching the wall in his frustration. The son goes over to stop him, and... He gets a fist to the face. Yeah, no, that was a really tough scene. And, like, he's on a bridge and the coach finds him. He quit the team, right? Yeah, he quit the team. He was just fed up with everything. I get it. But, you know, I think, you know, they kind of, like, get inspired by the fact that, like, hey, they can go to college and maybe find a better life for themselves. So, yeah, I mean, that Thomas thing is a good buildup because we have one... A similar, not like with abuse and stuff, but a similar thing happening in the coach's house as he's like the daughters are having a little bit of a hard time adjusting to the new town. And he's basically ignored them to like coach this cross country team. So they're feeling a little bit left out. He forgets the one girl's birthday. And this guy who I love, by the way, there's a couple like town people who I love at the Diaz, Mr. Diaz, Mrs. Diaz, and the guy who runs like the, like the, uh, what do you call it? Like convenience store, I guess, or something, mm-hmm. or like hardware store. Right. Yeah, like he's like he's like never closed the shop in twenty something years. He's like getting he's into it. They like ta- always handing out Coca Cola to the coach. Yeah. <laughs> the town folks kind of get together. Someone suggests they should have a quinceanera, which those of you who aren't familiar is a sweet fifteen. In Latin cultures, they do sweet fifteen instead of sweet sixteen, and they get together to throw one for his fifteen-year-old uh, daughter, which. I think is not true, because what I read is that he had three daughters and they were all in college, so it's, a- hmm. it's, it's added for the movie. But it is a really like beautiful scene. Um, yeah, it's a special moment. Absolutely, and it's kind of like their moment of, like, you are finally part of McFarland. Right. And the daughter, like, and I, that, I got a little emotional there, because the daughter was, like, so happy, you know? 
And she's kind of into Thomas, and Thomas is like her date, her like sweetheart <clears throat> at the quinceanera. But that kind of leads to some trouble. Honestly, and you know, feel free to say whatever. Even though I like Thomas and whatever his like friend or cousin or whatever who has like the low rider, and they were gonna go for a ride, it's part of town tradition or something. I was still a little bit like, yeah, yeah like, like what is it? What does your gut tell you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think I'm going to let my 15-year-old daughter go out at night cruising around with a bunch of boys from the hood in their lowriders. However friendly we are, it's probably too late already. It's probably past whatever curfew I had for her to begin with. If you want to do that, do that tomorrow. Well, do it tomorrow. You want to go out at noon. Go down to the... To the place that has the banging tacos. Awesome. Enjoy a Jorito. Fine. But not now. Why Why do you have to go now? You had a great night. Don't ruin it. Exactly. Like, you, you know, it's something you learn when you get older. Like, you gotta... What do they say? What's the line? Oh, you gotta... Quit, you gotta quit, quit while you're ahead. Yeah. Cut your losses. Cut your losses. <laughs> quit while you're ahead. You're having a good time. Just go home. Call it. Yeah. Nothing good happens, what do they say, after like like 12 or 2 or something, you know? Nothing good happens then. No. Cut your no. losses. And I, I wouldn't have, it was not even about like the low rider thing or the fact that, you know, they were from the hood, as you said. No, it's late. It's, it's late. late. We had a party. And let's be frank, I don't trust it, guys. I don't trust boys. Oh, yeah. Plain and simple. <laughs> I wouldn't have trusted her even if it was just Thomas. Absolutely. So, so my somebody who you, I know pretty well, who I'm coaching on a daily basis, who I feel comfortable with, who I've considered my friend at this point in time. No, yeah. still not trusting you with my 15-year-old daughter after whatever time it is. <laughs> fine, uh, fine. You guys want to go out? I'm coming. Yeah, no, fair. So, um, and again, this seems like it was invented for the movie, so we get that. Yeah. But one of the things I was going to ask you is what actually happened. They don't really go into it in that much detail. It was but a car accident clearly... and a fight? No, I don't think there was a car accident. Well, I guess there was technically a car accident, but some guy pulls out who clearly has beef with the driver that has Jim White's daughter. Um, and he must have driven straight into the car, pulled him out, Maybe he was going after Jim White's daughter. I don't know. They don't go into the detail. But she like broke her legs or something. She, yeah, she had cuts she? on her legs. And uh, the driver, props to him, protects her and ends up taking a knife in the stomach. Yeah. So, yeah, this is one of those dark moments. I was like, oh, my God. This is like a feel-good story the entire time, except for Thomas trying to kill himself. I thought it was going to be a whole lot worse. Uh, you, I, you, you had a feeling in the back of your head when she asked to go out that something was going to go. Yeah, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> right. But I mean, they get past that. It... Yeah. Well, the, I think the main reason they added that, honestly, was to give him a reason to go interview at that really rich school, Palo Alto. Ah, uh, I understand. Yeah. Like, cause, he doesn't cause want his he, daughters he... to be in danger. Someone. He would just look like he's betraying them if he just did that, like completely betraying them. Like you get where he's coming from. He, he want they're offering him like a nice house, a good salary. Right. Like he would make a lot of money and be in a very safe environment. Mm -hmm. But you know he's also betraying the team, and she 
ends up telling Thomas that he went for the interview because she actually, at this point, wants to stay. Yeah. I think that's the manufactured controversy. I feel like that's the Disney aspect of this, you know? Right. Like, oh, you know, what's he going to do? Hmm. Is he going to stay with the team? You know he's going to stay with the team, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but Thomas has his moments like, you were there for us. How could you do this kind of thing? Okay. Uh, he, he has a great quote, though. He goes, oh, no one stays in McFarland unless you have to. Sad, but true. I think, like, it, it seems like there's not a lot of upward mobility in McFarland, so that makes sense. Um, wow. Oh, this is a random side note, but I get a kick out of that one very benevolent and charitable cheesy teacher who comes in and confronts Jim White on a regular basis, saying how much of an impact that he's <laughs> making with the kids and the schools. Yeah, that, she just cries at every chance and opportunity she has. That was very Disney. If this was written in an earlier time, that would be his love interest, you know? But he has <laughs> yeah. a wife, so they couldn't do it. Like that was very uh, that was very Disney. Just to remind us that he's doing a good job. She was pretty. No, she was pretty. Very. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know that offer. It's certainly hard to say no to that offer. I guess again. So they're trying to build this conflict, and they have one more thing to do. Basically, is to win mm-hmm. states. So they go to states, um, take the bus. By the way, he drives the bus, which I thought was weird, but maybe that happened back then. Uh, I thought so- that was kind of cool. Kevin you know, Costner like driving us. <laughs> no, just I mean, he really did. Maybe it wasn't in the budget because they were, it, the principal really didn't want to go through the effort of adding this team to begin with. So I don't know. He it just made him a lot more involved. It gave him, I don't know, another aspect of how much he cared about the team. Yeah, yeah, no, I, like it was cool. It was cool, and you know. I don't know. They, they probably also didn't want to add another character like the friendly bus driver, you know. <laughs> I was remembering, though, like some of our cross-country bus rides. Like some of them felt long, but they really weren't, like in hindsight. No. Yeah. <laughs> they got pretty wild. They got wild. I mean, in hindsight, I mean, probably yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> but We would sing and be loud and interesting to say the least. I, though, remember my biggest bus memories were just like having to hold in my like pee because you know you're a runner you're drinking water you're drinking water like all freaking day and just like by the time that bus got there just having to go so badly that your bladder like killing you the bus rides were long they were always interesting though um they were the best time to talk to girls now i had a cross-country bus rides were good winter track and outdoor track ones were like they were a little different it was there was they were still fun a lot of fun yeah, but cross country less always space in the bus. <laughs> cross country always felt like special forces, if that makes sense. <laughs> like because we were our own separate team in the fall, but we would become mm-hmm. the distance team in winter and spring. And spring. Yeah. So we were like our own clique within the track team. <laughs> we were a clique inside of another clique. Yeah, of uncool people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have to say, though, so they get to this, like, um, championship meet, and it's awesome because it's, like, all the people from the town drive a long ways to go with them. The store owner, all the people in the car club, uh, you, like you said, this guy's dad. Um, yeah, Thomas's dad shows up yeah. along with Thomas's sister who was, what, 15 and pregnant. Yeah. And he was getting into fights defending her all the time. It was, like, when I saw his dad show up, that, that, like, kind of cut me in the heart a little bit. I was like, oh, 
Yeah, Disney. no, that, that's Damn like a you. beautiful moment. <laughs> I have to say, though, the corniest moment is like the national anthem, right? I'm an American. I'm a proud American. But, yeah. like, he's going through a montage and, like, everyone, like, you know, it, it's nice, but it's also a little bit, like, forced, you know? Yes. I have a theory on this. I think that Disney really put this in and said USA because they didn't want to like market a movie exclusively to Latinos. Let's be honest, hmm. this is this can be a racist country. This could be a I don't want to say racist, well it can be, but it, it can be a little bit of a prejudiced country, you know. That is a good point, Brian. I didn't even think of that. And they have like Mexican flags with them, but they're not saying yeah. like I want to be in Mexico. It's more like a mm-hmm. Mexican American pride thing. And I think they added the USA to the title cuz in other countries it's just called McFarland. Um, right, right. But I think they added the USA to the title. I think they have this like heavy dose of patriotism just to show mm-hmm. people, hey, these people are Americans too, and it's true yeah. they are Americans, and that's kind yeah, of like it's important. It's kind of one of the sub themes with the language thing too, because he's he's speaking Spanish to everyone because he's assuming they just speak Spanish as almost like they're not one of us, and they're getting snickered right. at. Now it's PG movie, so you don't hear like racial slurs, but the other teams are definitely looking down on them because of their, you know. If this movie was not PG, I'm sure there would be much much worse words involved. Absolutely, and, or just like prejudice things being yelled at them but yeah. i'm sure they faced a lot of prejudice even back then you know they mentioned a couple of times that like it's a very white privileged sport they they akin mm-hmm. cross country to golf it really wasn't like that too much for us i because like we would go you know to state meets and there was people of all different you know uh colors and ethnicities you know but probably Mm -hmm. at the time it seems like cross country was just like kind of getting started in high schools at this point and it definitely seemed like it has a very elitist name cross country you know (laughs) (laughs) so so perhaps it was an elitist sport back then um and i think i I, I tell you what though i just really hate those kids from palo alto yeah screw them god (laughs) (laughs) typical high school villains anyway um the scene, though, I like this final scene. It's a close race. It is a little bit corny. Oh, one of the things that I was disappointed to learn is that Fat Diaz brother wasn't actually fat in real life. So what, why did they make him fat? He was slow in real life, but I think they made, it, made him fat for dramatic effect. Now, I want to be clear. This does change a lot of things, but Disney's known to do this, and they've done a lot worse. In Cool Runnings, which I love, None of those guys were the actual person, not even the name or any of the histories, Mm -hmm. you know? They just completely made up a different Jamaican bobsled team for that movie. (laughs) So this is, like, actually most of the real guys with the real names, and for the most part, they're real stories, but they, like, Disney-fied it a little bit. Um, Right. So in the meet, Jose, I thought he was being the rabbit, and for those of you not in the know, that's someone who starts a race off fast, and DNFs, which, Mike, can you tell everyone what DNF is? does not finish <laughs> our cool cross-country lingo um he you know dnf's just like push the pace and maybe in real life he was doing that but in this he just looked like he was like making a mistake he was like too hyped up yeah did that speech beforehand was that really that motivating he, he gave a speech and that's honestly i think kevin and you can correct me you know you can say it otherwise if you disagree. I think Kevin Costner does a good job in this film. Back to that white savior thing. While mm-hmm. he, yes, is the quote-unquote white savior, he doesn't 
his performance is very understated, you know? He's not like an arrogant prick in this film. He's not drawing all the attention to himself. He's very kind right. of muted. And he looks like yeah. a flawed person in a sense. Not deeply flawed like he's a drunk, but he's more getting to know the kids and learning on the fly. I don't think he overpowers the kids. Do you agree with that? I agree, and I think that was really important. That goes back to what I was saying. He was seemed pretty even keeled yeah. for the most part. And even at one of at the biggest race of their entire lives, he puts everything in the hands of the captain, Thomas Vallis. Because yeah. they've done all the work. He's been there to help and coach them and train them and guide them, but really they're doing all the hard work. They've they get up in the morning to work, to go to school, to work after school, then to go train more. So it's it's really on them and it's true. They've lived harder lives than probably anybody else on that starting line. So really this should be a walk in the park for them. All right, everybody, gather around. Come on. Why don't you look around? Best in the state, right? Every team that's here deserves to be, including you. But they haven't got what you got, all right? They don't get up at dawn like you and go to work in the fields, right? They don't go to school all day and then go back to those same fields. That's what you do. And then you come out with me and you run eight miles, 10 miles, and you take on, you take on even more pain. These kids don't do what you do. They can't even imagine it. When I went out in the field that day with you Diaz kids, I'll be honest with you, it was, a, it was the worst day's work I ever had to do in my life. And I said to myself, whatever kind of crappy job I end up in, it'll never be as tough as that. You kids do it every day. And your parents hope they can do it every day. And they'll do it for a lifetime if it means a better life for you. You guys are superhuman. What you endure just to be here, to get a shot at this, the kind of privilege that someone like me takes for granted. There's nothing you can't do with that kind of strength, with that kind of heart. You kids have the biggest hearts I've ever seen. Now go run your race. Thomas, you're the, you're the captain. Coach, want to call it? Uno, dos, tres, McFire! He gives a speech. It's not like a amazing speech, like, but it's good and understated. And for some reason, Jose kind of craps out. So they really need their other runners to pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. And and this is actually true. Like when they won their championship in '87, 
David ends up running the race of his life, getting fifth, fifth on the team, right? Passing a bunch of people. And it's tense. I didn't, honestly, when I saw this movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time you're seeing this movie, right? Yes. First time for me as well. I didn't think they were going to win. I thought they were just no, going to, No, like, it didn't look like it. I thought they were just going to place really well, and the moral of the story mm-hmm. was going to be like, oh, you know. Because they, they didn't win the state sectionals or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think they were going to win states. And when they won, I was actually quite surprised. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, he, David was the deciding factor yeah. in all of that. I mean, granted, yes, everyone makes difference. But, you know, one of their top runners who would have put them way ahead of everyone else ended up falling very far behind. So David really picked up the slack. And I think the coach even mentions, oh, yeah, David's not coming in for at least another minute, so that'll put us at such and such place. Which goes back to him scoring the race as it occurs. Yeah, so yay, they win, heartwarming ending, and then it kind of just reveals that they end up staying in McFarland. And mm-hmm. what, what I was most impressed with, like, that real-life coach won so many state titles. Yeah. Like, a million of them. <laughs> I, I thought it was cool how all the like a lot of the people from that team still went back to go run. Yeah, which is ironic. Like with they, the team at the time, yeah. They could have left, it seems like, a lot of them. One of the kids ended up becoming a teacher yeah, at so, McFarland. So I wrote them all down. So Thomas Vallas, our kind of like lead kid, he went to college with the Sequoias, and he coaches the middle school team. Danny Diaz graduated from Fresno State and works at McFarland High School today. Damasio Diaz went to college with the Sequoias, and he's a detective now. David... Diaz went to Fresno State, and he runs, like, the parks department in their town. Johnny went to Cal State Bakersfield, teaches middle school. Victor, Victor, it said, went to prison. Did you see that? Yeah, briefly. But he got out. Yes. He got out. And he's back in McFarland. And Jose was a writer, and then he joined the Army. And it said Jim White retired in 2003 after winning many, 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 many championships. So mm-hmm. it ends up being like a very good, heartwarming story. Again, I think the drama was added by Disney to make this more of a movie and less of like a running documentary, which would have probably right. been pretty boring. Um, <laughs> when we were talking briefly off air, though, you said that you didn't enjoy this film that much. Now, we're going to rate it. But first, what were the things that you did not enjoy about this film? Uh, it's hard. Again, it's just really difficult to make a good running movie. Uh, it's not that entertaining to watch i think some of it might have been i don't know the forced plot points like the altercation at the taco parking (laughs) lot where did that come from and some of it just seemed a little too classic disney cheesy you know and and that's again if the the film is going to get a criticism that's the criticism that it's going to get though audience scores are high Critic scores are high, but I, I guarantee this film is not for everybody because it is formulaic. But I, I wrote something down, and I said movies like this need to be made, you know? There need to be mm-hmm. feel-good stories out there. This is a really shitty world, and there's so much cynicalness you know, out there, and there's so much cynicalness in films. Don't get me wrong. I love Game of Thrones, which is like a lot of sex and violence and a lot of people dying. I love, you know, movies with ambiguous endings. I love that kind of stuff. But occasionally, it's nice to get a dose of these kind of popcorn B-movies, if you will. This movie is never going to, you know, it's never going to win any awards, I don't think. But 
for me, it's kind of nice to get like the heartwarming tale once in a while. I tell you what, Disney knows what they're doing because however much I didn't want to enjoy it because I said, no, I'm better than this. <laughs> I kept saying, damn it, Disney, you got me. Again, <laughs> with Thomas's think... dad showing up to his state championship where <laughs> he ended up winning the race, yeah, uh, which is huge. And his dad was beating him down early in the movie, almost forcing him to kill himself. Uh, he came back and supported him during one of like the most iconic and important moments of his life. Absolutely. So, no, I yeah, know. Disney, like it has its most. And Bravo, honestly, you got me. For this kind of formula, I think it does a better job than a lot of the sports movies I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And and no pun intended, it's an uphill battle for a movie about running. You know, football's cooler than running. Yeah. Baseball's cooler than running. <laughs> now, I mean, to show on screen, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, okay, so what do you want to rate this film on? Ooh. Um, tacos? Taquitos? Uh... Ta- ta- taquitos are things you get at freaking 7-Eleven. <laughs> I'm saying tamales, uh, because that's what they made at okay. the... Uh, that's what they made at the car wash, you know? Enchiladas? Did they serve that at the Diaz Oh, they, they did have some enchiladas. Let's do enchiladas. Let's do enchiladas. All right. Okay. That sounds like a fun rating system. Okay, so what are you giving right. McFarland USA? I'm giving it 3.9 cheese enchiladas mm. because although some of the movie seemed a little forced, it was really awesome to have a pretty good running movie, which are, is few and far between, that focuses on the Hispanic culture or Latino culture. Yeah, specifically the Mexican-American culture of California, which I'm not too familiar with, specifically, again, of the Central Valley. I feel like Talk, yeah. talking it over with you now has like made me like it a little more, if that makes sense. You know, well, that, I feel the same way. So going into this, I was a little nervous because I was like, you know, at some points, this was just full-on Disney cheese. And yeah, I know that's partially what we're racing it on, <laughs> uh, rating it on right now, but it it was a good movie, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and it's a, and at the end of the day, it's a family movie, you know. Right. It, it's a movie that probably you and I watching on our own is <laughs> is not as cool, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I had like a middle schooler who was into running, or maybe like even a high schooler, they they probably would like this film. Yeah. Um, oh, so I'm going to give it a four, actually. I was originally going to give it, like, more of a three score, but talking about it now and seeing, like, I get it. I get it, you know? I get why people like this film. It didn't make a tremendous amount of money, but I'm giving it a four mm-hmm. for the reasons I said. Movies like this have to exist. There needs to be this to counterbalance in our culture, or we will all hate ourselves and think that, like, there's a Roose Bolton lurking, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's crazy, because... Yeah, it's you mentioned you didn't think they won the state championship. I don't think it it doesn't even really matter if they did. Yeah, to absolutely. Me. Absolutely. There I were agree. so many great moments in this movie that absolutely. they I, I, they've already accomplished more than they ever set out to. I couldn't agree more. All right, awesome. So, you know, we ended up maybe not being so sure about this movie, but talking it out like bros and realizing not not too bad of a film. I'd recommend it if you're into these kind of things. Um, it's again not high the highest level of art but it's it's a good wholesome movie and we need to have a heart sometimes you know Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Mike. So I ask this question every time. What sleeping bag are you bringing today to the slumber party? All right. I guess since this is a running movie, I'm going to bring my Steve Prefontaine sleeping Ooh, bag. Pre. Pre lives. <laughs> Just some, yeah, <laughs> go pre, uh, or maybe him outlined in the stop sign. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Steve Prefontaine, kind of the, the god to distance runners out there. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, look him up. Had an untimely death. But uh, definitely, you know, one of the, I guess, the first Nike athlete ever. So you definitely want to, uh, you know, Wikipedia him. Well, thanks, Mike, so much for coming on. Really appreciate Thank it. You. As always, great to have you. Great to have a running expert on a, a running <laughs> film like this. Where can people follow you, Mike? You can follow me on Instagram at C.I. Warriors. Because <laughs> you're a or... big fan of the movie The Warriors. Yes, C.I. as in Coney Island. <laughs> Or at Skyline Brews. Yes, yes, you are a home brewers. Yes. All right, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Congratulations once again on the baby. And Thank you so much for having me. Let me know how that uh, painting of your baby mama on your car goes. <laughs> Will do. You know, listening back to that episode again, I realized... Maybe some of you don't want to hear it, and maybe it makes some people uncomfortable. I get that. Honestly, like, I'm not saying that facetiously or, like, in a jackass way. I completely understand. But, like, being a Latino, as I am, it's nice to see this kind of representation. And it makes me feel good, you know? Like, that's why, I don't know, I think that's why, like, our opinions changed as we talked about it. I think it's part of it. I don't think it's the full story. I think it's like it's actually a good movie at certain points, but representation is is awesome, you know. Uh, I used to run, and that helped too. Uh, you know, it's hard to explain. I wish I could like articulate it more, but there's something there's something like smile worthy about just talking about this film with a friend and sharing our common experiences. I guess that's what a good movie's about, right? I guess that's all like that really matters. Anyway. I'm running on E. <clears throat> Ooh, good segue. The good news for you guys is next week's film and homework assignment is a movie about a guy who can talk better than anyone. Certainly better than me, but anyone in his high school town for sure. The film is Pump Up the Volume. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody think about it. Everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. We're on uh, 92 FM tonight. It feels like a nice, clean little band. No one else is using it. Price is right. Are you listening to this? Yeah, of course I'm listening. There's nothing to do anymore. And all the great themes have been used up, turned into theme parks. So I don't really find it exactly cheerful to be living in a totally, like, exhausted decade where there's nothing to look forward to and no one to look up to. He's got a pirate radio station. Nobody knows who he is. I, I could be that anonymous nerd sitting across from you. And you turn around and he just looks away. Never looks back at you again. This is a song for the 90s. Welcome to Dorina Central. May I take your order, please? Yeah, I want. That was deep. <laughs> I like the idea that a voice can just go somewhere uninvited, like 
like a dirty thought in a nice clean mind. I know you. Not your name, but your game. Come to me, or I'll come to you. So you are him. Guess who? It's me again with a little attitude for all you out here in White Birdland. It's 10 o'clock. Do you care where your parents are? This radio person is the whole problem. Are we going to allow this guy to be heard by anyone who can turn a dial? I'm in jail! I'm stay here! I like it! <laughs> and he's trying to tell you that there's something wrong with this school! Hey, you're not hey, supposed you, to be What do you want to slam me? Come on, Bill, I'm a You're not supposed to... Get out! It's out of control. Why not do something crazy? It makes a hell of a lot more sense than blowing your brains out! Uh, FCC, you know what that means? This phone call has been traced. This is my life you're screwing around with here, you know? Not anymore, it isn't. This is everyone's life. Mark, you can't leave it like this. You out there? You listening? Hello, Christian Slater. And next week, we're going to have another great talker. And he happens to be the co-founder of the Cage Club Podcast Network, our podcast network. And, of course... The third time's a charm man himself, Captain 3, Michael Manzi, will be joining us. He's, he was really excited to pick this film, so, you know, I'm so excited to have him on for this, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pick his brain a little bit on, on this kind of stuff. We're gonna, we're gonna do another deep dive into what, you know, radio and podcasting is. I, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much again. Tune in next week, watch the movie. It's not that easy to get, so prepare now. This is going to be one of your more difficult assignments, because I had problems getting it. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry, I gotta get out of here, guys. You know, I'm super bummed, because I had this whole Mean Gene Okerlund tribute planned. You don't know who Mean Gene is? Well, along with getting John Cusack not to block us on Twitter, add looking up who Mean Gene Okerlund is to your list of assignments. He just passed away, and I'll probably save that tribute to next week. What else? Uh, oh, as I mentioned, we're on the Cage Club Podcast Network. So many great shows. Uh, there was a lot of like Mike Myers stuff. You want to check that out? I definitely have to catch up. I think there was like four or five Mike Myers films done. I don't know if it was a random or it was Mike Myers month. I didn't get the memo, but I don't know if there's any Mike Myers true high school films anyway. Ishbinkter says what? You want me to say what? Like, I don't get it. Is that it? Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook... I'm there. I'm talking. Hashtag save Brian. No, I'm kidding. Don't really have that trend. I'd feel like terrible. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, you can find this podcast while well, you're listening to it now. But tell your friends because it's on iTunes. It's on Google Play. It's on Stitchers. It's on Spotify. It's on the Cage Clubs. <laughs> CageClub.me. That's CageClub.me. You can find it. It's easy to find. Oh, duh. Big thank you to Mike Rivera. He made that episode really, really fun. I really enjoyed walking or running, haha, down memory lane with him and talking about all those like summer camp and running memories. Thought it was pretty awesome. So I leave you with a song that he really liked that's in this film, Parliament's Flashlight. Later, dudes.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.